This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, Chairman of Empire State Properties and host of the Miller Report. Today we have with us a remarkable guest. He was born in the United States. He attended NYU and Berkeley. His grandfather, Joseph Durst, was a tailor in Hungary before coming to the United States. And like so many immigrants, became wildly successful in the real estate business. In 1915, Joseph founded the Durst Organization. The Durst Organization currently owns 13 million square feet of commercial space and 3,500 residential units. Welcome, Douglas Durst, chairman of the Durst Organization to the Miller Report. Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Doug, you've built so many renowned properties in New York. One Bryant Park, one World Trade Center, 825 Third Avenue. Out of all these projects, one, which has been your most favorable, and under which administration has been most favorable for real estate developers? As I always answer that question by saying, the next project is my most favorable. The one I find most exciting is four Times Square, now 151 West 42nd Street. Uh, The Bloomberg administration, although uh, the Adams administration is trying very hard to they have to overcome a lot of what was created during the de Blasio administration. And what about today? How are you seeing it? You say, so you're saying that it's easier today than it was? It's easier than it was uh, in the pla- from the past administration, but there's so many problems that were built up in the past administration that uh, the Adams administration is working hard to overcome them. So when you built one Bryant Park, which was one of my favorite buildings... Correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 13 years ago. It won the Platinum Award for Energy and Environmental Design. Can you tell us about that? Because you really were ahead of your curve. Because right now people are talking about I-87, I-97. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I have to go back to Four Times Square, which was the first high-rise environmentally designed building. And it was designed before there was a lead rating. It actually is a basis for lead rating. When we built it, we concentrated mostly on energy, uh, reducing energy in the building and <coughs> use of energy to build it. By the time we got to uh, One Bryant Park, seven years later, we realized that what I- the best for the building is that it be uh, good for the, for the tenants, that it be healthy, that the environment for the tenants is what really counts. And if you have to spend a little more or use a little more energy to uh, bring in more outside air and, and uh, more light, then uh, that's what's important. So uh, it was a struggle to find out to build that building again. Let me just take a moment to interrupt this because John Castamatidis just walked in and he does own WABC. John Castamatidis himself wants to say hello to Douglas Durst. I just want to say hello. Hey, John. Good to see you. Thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Suzanne, she does a great job. Yes. She had, what, 400,000? 500,000. 500,000 people in her last interview. Oh, great. Take care. Thank you. Good to see you. Happy holidays. Thank you. You too. May we all survive. Let's go on to commercial real estate, which is a hot subject. And you have 13 million square feet of commercial real estate, and I believe 3,500 residential units. So 
right to it. What's going to happen when these loans come due 3% to 8% and you want to refinance? What's going to happen? Uh, well, for people who financed uh, 80% of the value, uh, they're going to have problems. But uh, it's not as widespread as uh, you read in the paper. And uh, a lot of people like us finance much lower percentage. And while it's going to cut down on our cash flow, it's, uh, it's not the end of the world for us. But the average developer, it can be. I, I, not even, well, for, for the, not the average developer, but the person who overfinanced the building at low rates, and I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I doubt it's more than 20% are going to see problems. And are you converting any of your buildings? Uh, we looked very carefully at conversions for our buildings, and it, for our buildings, it just doesn't work. Uh, for older buildings, it po can possibly work, but there are a lot of uh, issues, uh, landmarking issues and uh, zoning issues and multiple dwelling law issues that they're talking about addressing, but those all have to be addressed before uh, it, it works. It, works downtown where they did address mm -hmm. most of those issues years ago. But for the rest of the city, there are law changes that need to be made by both the state and the city for it to work. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So are you in favor, even if it's not your own building, of converting these to residential or schools? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think they all have to be converted. But what I think is more likely is that many of them uh, are going to end up with different ownership at, uh, at uh, reasonable costs so that they can improve the buildings and uh, they'll be retenanted in, in down the road. Are you building anywhere outside of New York right now? We invested heavily in Philadelphia prior to the pandemic. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia did not recover as well as New York did, and uh, we've had to put those, those projects on hold. What about the Sun Belt, like, like a lot of people are going to? No. You're a North New Yorker. Real estate is local. We've learned that over the years, and uh, we know New York and we're convinced that New York is coming back. It has every time there's been an issue, and it's going to come back again. That's music to my ears. Let's talk about residential. So you have 3,500 residential units. Everybody says that we need more housing, we more, need more housing. Do you think we need more housing? And where would you put more housing? There, there is no question we need more housing. Wherever room can be found to build it, there are lots of places that it should be built. Uh, in, in uh, a lot of the boroughs, uh, there's plenty of space to build, but it's been stopped for a, mostly by the city council. Uh, and uh, we, But also to build, we need a new 421A, which uh, expired several years ago, and construction of new housing is almost completely stopped. 
That was my next question. Would you build without a 421A? Uh, the only place you can build without 421A is Manhattan, and then you're going to be building condos. So you're not going to get rental housing without 421A. Well, what do you think we have to do to get a new 421A? Everybody's talking about that. Everybody says it. Everybody agrees we need it. We need uh, cooperation with the state legislators uh, and the unions who uh, we believe will, will realize that if they want construction work, there has to be a 421A. Moving on to New York, I believe you are a director at REBNY, Real Estate Board of New York. Is that your title? What is your official title? My official title is chairman. Of the board, of the real estate board of New York. Oh, everybody's got to listen to this. We all need this guy. That's major. (laughs) Well, fortunately, my term expires at the end of this month. Why fortunately? Well, it's been a long three years. Not an easy three years to be chairman of the real estate board. That's a big job. Oh, my God, I have some questions about that. Especially during a pandemic. Sorry. (laughs) I understand that Rebney is now, like, replacing Castle, where they could track the occupancy. Is that? Tell us about that. Uh, What... Castle is actually a tenant of ours, and oh, wow. we use them in several of our buildings. But most of our bigger buildings, we do not use Castle. Castle has numbers which uh, don't really reflect what's going on in our buildings, at least. Bank of America uh, has a greater occupancy than it did in 2019. Uh, and the tracking that's done doesn't just track uh, people coming in and out of the buildings, but it it uses cell phone information to attract everybody. So it's all visitors, uh, visitors, delivery people. So it's not comparable. But uh, what is comparable is that tra- uh, comparing today to 2019, there are more people visiting the building than there were in 2019. Uh, maybe I could simplify it to the people that are listening about what Castle is and what Rebney is doing. So correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that Castle and Rebney now could track the people that are coming into the buildings and they could see how much is being used, how many people are coming to work. And why did Rebney now want to get into this? Castle tracks people who go through uh, their turnstiles. Mm-hmm. And Rebney tracks cell phones that come in and out of the building. Two completely different metrics. Wow. Uh, and uh, Castle is not in every building. They're not in a lot of the larger buildings. And not in our larger buildings. There are in some of our smaller buildings. So they're not really reflecting what's going on in the market. And uh, as I said, the, what real estate, what the real estate board is tracking is how many people actually come into the building, whether they be tenants or uh, guests or visitors. But uh, the difference is that not that meaningful because there, as I said, there are more people coming in now to One Bryant Park than there were in 2019. So there's a lot of traffic. There are people, I'm sure if you go out on the streets, you'll see the streets are jammed. Yeah, the restaurants, bars, everything, yes. yes. New York's going to come back. So being that you are the chairman of Rebney, I, I'm sure there's a lot of real estate brokers listening to this. If they're not, you should tune in. Yeah, they better. Tell, tell us about this new law. I mean, what's going to happen to comps? What's going to happen to prices that you cannot, a buyer cannot, has to be now represented separately? Can you explain that to us? Uh, not the best person to explain it because uh, we're, we're mostly uh, commercial. and uh, But as I understand it, 
a buyer right now when when you rent an apartment from from us you have to pay uh the the rent uh, and buy re- yes mm-hmm. and uh i'm sorry when you rent yes mm-hmm. uh, rent and buy you have to pay the the outside broker we right. we typically have a broker bring somebody to us and the buy, the buyer or renter must pay that right now so uh, the law as enacted you you no longer are, are required to pay a second broker and uh, unless you hire them yourself so it's going to make transactions a lot more confusing for the renter or buyer if they do not have a, a broker representing them so again if i i want to sell my property and i want to enlist a broker before i would let's say pay six percent now i'm only going to pay i'm going to only hire my broker and if another broker comes to buy my property then i'm not obligated to pay that other broker i have to get another they have to get a separate agreement it's the it's the buyer who uh is the one who's who ends up paying both not the not the seller or the landlord so then the, re- the, the reality is that the sales price is probably going to be lowered and the comps are going to be lowered to reflect that difference of the 3%, correct? Yes. So that's, we have to look out for that. Well, uh, Doug, I do, um, I know we talk about real estate and this is the Miller Report is about real estate, but one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I'm very, I'm a native New Yorker. New York has been very good to me and my family and I own a real estate company and Paris State Properties and I see what's happening in our city. And I'm trying to bring leaders together that are smart thinkers like yourself and talk about the two biggest issues. Number one, I want to talk about the migrants and try and be candid. Um, How is this affecting real estate? Where the city has brought the migrants, it's had a very negative effect uh, on the retail businesses nearby and the the commercial. uh, It has a negative effect. There's no no denying that. Unfortunately, there aren't very many solutions to it. The migrants are coming here, and they, the city has to find some place for them to go. So if I gave you the keys and I said, this is your city, you'd say there's no solution? No. What would, you, what would your solution be? My solution would be very similar, I think, to what the Adams administration is, is to get the federal government to step in and uh, be more helpful, which so far they've... Uh, for political reasons, they've uh, ignored the problem. Do you think he's do, he's doing what he needs to do? I th- he's doing what the best he can do under the circumstances. Okay, I respect your opinion. Let's move on to hate. If your parents were alive today and they saw all these protests on the colleges, in in the schools, in the streets, what would they say? My father would be extremely upset about what's going on uh, in the country today. Uh, he uh, um, <clears throat> he he was upset about things that changed in the sixties. Uh, one of his more famous quotes was uh, was talking about Times Square and a hat store that went out of business. And the the uh, interviewer said, "Well, w- what do you think happened?" He said, "Well, in the forties, uh, men stopped wearing hats. In the fifties, women stopped wearing hats." And in the 60s, people stopped using their heads altogether. <laughs> I like that. We'll quote that. <laughs> so uh, I, I think uh, that uh, 
for many reasons, a lot having to do with social media, uh, people are, are more interested in uh, opinions. And uh, as we know, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own set of facts, which uh, people seem to ignore. The facts in favor of their own opinions that lead to what we see going on today. So, last question. If you were in charge, how would you unite us? Uh, I've, I've been reading that, uh, that the only way to do it is to get small groups together and let them talk to each other. Right now, people are simply shouting at each other and nobody is listening. So unless we get people to listen to each other, and uh, it's a big city, but still uh, it would be possible to get people to start talking rather than shouting rather than simply posting uh, their comments and their, their uh, feelings online. I think that's a wonderful answer, and that's what I'm trying to do in my small way by these podcasts. And if I could help in any way, that's a great idea. Talk to each other, communication. Yes. And um, let's let's try and rebuild our city, and New York is not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Thank you so much for coming on The Miller uh, Report. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into The Miller Report. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.